you going? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Pastor Steve, love you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Good to see everybody this morning. Welcome. <laughs> Hello? No, oh, there you are. There you are. Okay, just making sure you're, everything's all right. Um, how's everybody doing? You doing okay? How's the temperature? Is everything good? Something doesn't feel right, though. What's up, man? <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I just needed a hello from somebody. I don't know. Well, listen, you guys, I'm going to talk to you today about something called the T word. Now, the T word is not a curse word. Some people treat it like it is, but I promise you it's not. It's, it's, the T word is a word that when, when some people say it, it, it does send chills up their spine, some people. It makes them break out in sweats. And it, it's one of those words that uh, it, it feels a little bit like the word taxes, but it's not the word taxes. That's not the T word. The T word that I'm going to talk to you about, well, let me, let me back up before I share with you what the T word is. Um, do you know that everything you have in your life is a gift from God? Everything. Your life, your breath, your next heartbeat. Everybody take your pulse real quick. It's okay, go ahead. Some of you are sitting beside some of you are like, I'm not sure she has one. <laughs> Just kidding. How do I know your thoughts? I don't know. Make sure you have a pulse there. Your very next heartbeat is from God, right? Your very next breath is from God. Everything we have is a gift from God. Now, that means everything, like your job, your, your home, your friends, your relationships, your um, family. But I can't talk about everything today, obviously. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to narrow it down. I want to talk about a, a small area of your life and one specific area of your life this morning, okay? That is a gift from God. I want to talk to you about the T word. Now, the T word, as some of you know, is the word tithe. tithe. Did I say that? I got it out. Tithe. The T word. Okay, there I said it. It's out there. Tithe. What is a tithe? Tithe literally means, oh, by the way, some of you right now, when you heard me say tithe, you're really wishing you'd gone to see great aunt so-and-so in another state today, aren't you? You're here at church and you're already sweating. Listen, it's okay. My, my goal this morning is not to make you feel bad, seriously, um, if, if this is not something you're a part of. I, I don't want you to feel bad. Um, I think all of us already feel a certain amount of, of guilt about what maybe we don't give or don't do sometimes. And we sort of have this cloud that hangs over us called never enough, you know. It's like, oh, never enough, I'm never doing enough, I'm never giving enough, I'm never, never good enough, whatever the enough is. So I, I'm really not interested in, in um, laying any kind of guilt trip on anybody today. But as a pastor, I, do, I am interested in sharing from God's word what it says about it. We are in this series called First Fruits. And I'm just thankful that the series is not called First Toots. I'm just going to be honest. By the way, this is what's wrong. Now I know what's wrong. 
Wait a minute. Let me get this right here. Oh, yeah, this feels good. Right here. How many of you know they have a game tonight? How many of you are Eagles fans? How many of you don't care? (laughs) Fine. Now, let me read this verse to you. Some people, you know, in our world, money talks. And some people, this is what the Word of God says. It says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, but be wise enough to know when to quit, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Have you noticed on the American dollar, there's an eagle on there? (laughs) That's why somebody said, if money talks, all mine says is goodbye, you know? Some people feel like that. But a tithe is just one-tenth. That's all it is, 10%. So if I said, hey, I tithe... Uh, 10% of my time to the Paris Foundation, to the homeless shelter. I go down there and I tie 10% of my week there. Uh, if I have 168 hours in a week, how many hours do I spend there? 16.8. 16.8. Now, again, my purpose today is to encourage you in this area. Uh, not to preach at you, just to encourage you in this area. Uh, and honestly, I wouldn't even talk about it. If it wasn't for the fact that Jesus talks a lot about it, which is kind of interesting, um, that's not all. Get this. In fact, you may be surprised to learn that of all the people in the Bible, including Abraham, Moses, Noah, the prophets, Peter, Paul, of all the people mentioned in Scripture, guess who talked about money the most? Jesus. And, And not only that, Of all the topics that Jesus ever discussed, marriage, divorce, adultery, greed, worry, happiness, guess which topic he talked about the most? It's finances, money. Jesus talked more about money than he did about love. Jesus talked more about it. So he talked more about money than he did about marriage. What I'm saying is that this thing about money, this thing about the green stuff, you know, that we we all have, is is really related in a very specific and close way to our relationship to God, more than people think. More than people think. So I'm not just interested in giving you my opinion this morning on what tithing is and why I think you should do it and or should not do it or what. I'm just interested in giving you what God's word says. Um, For those of you that are not aware, a tithe means what? Did I mention that a tithe is 10%? Okay, I mentioned that. So practically speaking, I want to talk today about three foundations of tithing. Three foundations of tithing. Everything you have is a gift from God. Everything. But I want to narrow your life down and talk about this one area, okay? This one area that we need to talk about called the T word, the tithe. The first foundation of tithing, and I want you to see this from Scripture. You you need, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you need to see from Scripture what the tithe is all about. Because I guarantee you, I did not, as a pastor, stand up one day and think to myself, how can I come up with a scheme to get our people to give? Oh, I know. I'll make them tithe. 
I'll, gay, I'll say 10% and I'll, I'll say 10% and then I'll make him give. No, the tithe is not man's idea. It's an old idea. It was invented by God. By the way, so are most good things. God is a good God. And the various, very earliest men of faith accepted the tithe as an established duty. That's the first foundation. You need to see from Scripture. You don't need to hear it just from me. By the way, if you don't read your Bible, how are you even going to know if what I'm telling you is the truth or not? You know, the Catholic Church came up with this ridiculous thing about when somebody's family member dies, going to pay the priest so they can get them out of purgatory. That was a financial scheme. That was something that man invented. That is nowhere in Scripture, and it is an awful idea. This is not what I'm talking about today. This is a foundational biblical principle from God's Word. Just like prayer is the foundation of our relationship with God, tithing is the foundation of all of our financial life, your financial strength, your financial wealth, all of that. It's not a new concept. Now, no human came up with this, and it's really the Bible that shares it. Genesis 14, 20 records the first mention of the tithe in the Bible. And here's how the story goes real quick. It just goes like this. Abraham, you remember him? Abraham, this is before there, there was a country called Israel. Israel wasn't really a country yet. There was just this one little dude named Abraham. And God said, I'm going to make of you this big country that we see now called Israel and all the Jews around the world. And so God said, called Abraham. And Abraham had a nephew named Lot. One day, there were these kings that, that besieged Israel or besieged Abraham at the time. And, and they stole Lot and they stole the women and children and they stole all of the goods. And Abraham, when he heard about it, put together a group of sort of a posse and said, I'm going after them. I'm going to get them back. And so he did. He went to war. He fought and he got back everybody that had been kidnapped. That's the short version. And this is what Abraham does. What's really neat about the story is not what, that Abraham triumphed in this battle, but what he does after the battle. This is the first categorical mention of tithe. It says this, then Melchizedek, Melchizedek is the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. This was a celebration, a celebratory dinner after the war, after he wins and brings everybody back. Melchizedek came out. He was the priest of God Most High. It would, you might think of him as Pastor Melchizedek. Pastor Melchizedek came out to greet Abraham as if to say, the Lord has blessed you. God be with you. Let's celebrate this victory. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he gave him a tithe of all. That is, Abraham gave to Melchizedek, in other words, he, would get, he was giving to God a tithe of all. All the things that he had just won back, he took 10% of it and he gave it to the Lord. This is the first categorical mention of the tithe in the Bible. In theology, we have something called the principle of first mentions. It's an interpretive principle. When we go throughout Scripture and we read the Scriptures, we want to find out where's the first time that God mentions this in Scripture. That's an important moment because God never mentions something he doesn't intend for you to remember. 
Let me say that again. God never mentions something he doesn't intend for you to remember. So if he says it, he wants you to remember it. And that's what he, he says. It's the first categorical mention. Abraham gave 10% of everything. It's all too interesting this verse records the very first, not only the very first time tithe is mentioned, but it's the first time the temptation not to tithe is mentioned. Very interesting. This is verses 21 through 23. It says, Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, this is the Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, you've heard of those guys. Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. In other words, he said, give me the persons and take all the goods for yourself That's how I want you to split it up. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap and that I will not take anything that is yours lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. This king invites Abraham to split the spoils, telling him, just take the goods for yourself. In other words, don't worry about the tithe. Don't worry about this 10% thing. And don't worry about your God. Because, well, he was from Sodom and Gomorrah after all. And they didn't really serve the same God as the God of Israel, did they? It's a different set of gods. You ever hear that voice, that temptation in your life that tells you, don't tithe. Just don't do it. I hear that voice. I hear that voice. You may hear that voice. I want to ask and invite uh, Ken and Doris Wilson. They shared with me about a month ago, after I preached a message, they shared with me a story, and I want to ask them if they'll come out real quick. Would you welcome these guys? They shared with me a story that I wanted you guys to hear because it kind of gave me goosebumps when they were telling it to me. But um, this was after I had preached a sermon and, and a message, and I was just talking about, I think I would mentioned uh, a story about money or something at the end. And then when I went back to the lobby, uh, Doris and Ken started to share something with me, and I thought, my goodness. I said, you guys have to hear this because it's encouraging. Um, welcome, you guys. Welcome. They, they've done just about everything in this church, but do you know this is the first time they've really stood up here and given testimony? That, well, we are in first fruits, right? Yeah, I know. It's just, this is not an audience. This is our family. This is our family. And it's cool up here. And it's cool. Stop it. She says it's cool. I always tell her I get too hot up here, and she's like, no, it's cool up here. So, Ken and Doris, tell me real quickly about, a little bit about what you were sharing with me when I came out there to the lobby. Well, what I'd like to start off with to say is that uh, um, the Lord has blessed my wife and I through the years on many, many things. Uh, we've had two fires, two houses, and we're going, my son, I think, is picking up after us, and uh, Doris is going to explain a little more how God has blessed uh, Jason and Jody Wilson. I'm the one that's a talker, I guess, but uh, I'm nervous. Anyway, uh, Jason, about five months ago, uh, we get a call from him at work, and he goes, Mom, and, and I could hear something in his voice. He calls about every day anyway, and he says, something's going on, and I could hear that he, maybe he was crying. 
And then he hung up the phone, and I'm like, okay. I called Rick, I said, something's going on, you know, with Jason. So then we get another call, and he goes, Mom, my house is on fire. And I said, and he lives, he's, he works about an hour away from his home. So he was on his way going home, and I said, was anybody hurt? Was anybody, anybody in the house? And he said, yes, Jody was in the house, but a neighbor happened to be riding down the road and saw the top of the house on fire and knocked at the door and banged and banged, and she was in the den down the stairs and didn't even know it. So she was outside watching the house literally burn down. And um, lucky her kids were off to school that day, and if they had, if it had happened in the middle of the night, it had started up in an uh, attic, and um, it, they would have been, they would have been gone, you know. So God, he's so good in so many ways. And in fact, the night before the fire, we were sitting and talking about there are two fires in their backyard. We had a, a fire going in the backyard, and, and we were telling them, and she was so glad. Jody was so glad to hear it. She never heard our stories about our fire, and she was glad to hear it. Well, then the very next day, this happens to her. So we, of course, ran up there right away, and I'm telling you, their church, it's the best thing to have a church family. They were right there. They took the kids out of school. The school actually brought the kids underwear and socks right away. And then the church, uh, the kids are like, two of them are in teens. So they went out and brought them clothes and brought them back home for us. And then the neighbors were coming by. And then about a week or so later, they heard that the church was taking an offering. And I am telling you, this church is about the size of this church. And they got an offering that was unbelievable. Even the pastor said, we never have had this much offering giving. And so the next week, Jason called me. He said, Mom, we got to check, and it's a good amount. He said, am I supposed to tithe on that? And so he was a little guy one time. I had a check laying on my table that I wrote to the church. And he came over that, and he goes, Mom, look at that check. We could buy a new car with that check. And uh, of course, we've never bought our new car yet, but uh, we've had nice cars. Anyway, he says, he said about tithing. And I said, well, Jason, I said, you and Jody pray about it. I'm not going to tell you yes or no. I said, even maybe as your pastor. And the pastor said, well, Jason, it's a gift to you from our church. I don't, don't really think you really have to tithe it. But Jason was brought up to tithe all the time, and he decided they were going to tithe that week. Well, the following week, they went to church, and the man at the ch I don't even think he went to that church, but he came in and wanted to take Jason and Jody and the whole family out to eat at this real expensive restaurant. And Jason said, wow, this is really neat. The kids are going to love this. And they went out to eat. And when they got done eating, uh, the guy looks over at Jason, and he says, you know something? Your mother-in-law... Actually, I was a real estate person, and she gave me the first money I made was from her. And she gave, I made $1,000. And he says, I want to give you $1,000. And that was just a week before he had tied $1,000 on the money the church had given him. And uh, that just gives me the goose pimples to think that, you know, when you tithe, God gives back more. And then a couple weeks later, the church even gave more to them. And they're being so blessed. And the, even the people at the church 
built their garage in their backyard and now they're actually selling they sold their house in one day it's completely burnt but somebody was going to redo it and sold it and god has somebody been, bought a burnt house yes yes the whole top of the house fire is sale. burnt yeah fire sale. yes and okay. they got the money they won for it and they went out because jody was a little leery about going back to the house yeah. you know yeah and uh but she did and but <clears throat> they just thought we'll buy another house jody's jason's wife yes yeah. yes and so um God has just been supplying their needs and just giving. It's just, it's just, if you do it the first thing, you know, we've always took our check and he was the only one who worked. I didn't work, so the check came out and that was yeah. what went to God. Yeah, and I was he talking. Has blessed our lives and I'm just so thankful he's blessing our children's lives. We have three boys that are in the church and, you know, and, and God has been so good to our whole family. Wow. That's what they shared with me. They shared with me that story about Jason, their son, and his house fire. And I just thought, it just lifted my faith. I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. I was down helping my mom and dad this week. And my dad's had two major surgeries in the last 90 days. And two years ago, he had a kidney transplant. So he's really had a rough go of it for the last two years. But I was sitting there talking with him and his brother, my uncle was there, Uncle Bob. And uh, I remember Uncle Bob was in the Navy. So he was, he was a hard sailing, hard living, hard talking kind of guy. And I remember praying for my Uncle Bobby for probably about 26 years. Now I prayed just about every day that God would save him. Because for a long, long time he didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. My dad was saved when... When I was very, very young, he gave his life to Christ and he found the Lord. And soon after, he discovered this principle uh, of tithing. And he said, you know, I've got to start doing this. And as we were sitting there, uh, my uncle has since become a Christian and given his life to the Lord and is faithful. And, and my dad said, you know, ever, ever since tithing kicked in, he said, God is just blessed. And I could see my uncle nod his head and say, oh, yeah. Uh, my uncle... Uh, did lawn care. So he mowed yards and that kind of stuff, manual labor for most of his life, and uh, built his own house. He's, he's that kind of guy. And, uh, but they both, you know, and I sat there and I just remember thinking, as I'm standing here with you, that, that verse where David says, I have been young and I am now old and I have never seen God's children begging bread or, or in a place where they've never been provided for. It's not that when you tithe, like their story is pretty amazing, but I don't want you to get from that story that if you put in a hundred, God's going to then give you a hundred. That's not what that story is about. What that story is about and what that experience is about is called provision. It's about provision. When you obey God, he promises to provide for you in every area of your life. As a matter of fact, Jacob felt this. Let's move from Abraham to Jacob. Jacob makes a vowel. A, a vowel. Can I buy a vowel? Jacob makes a vow. A vow. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on. He's talking about provision. He's talking about provision. So that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. 
And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. There's that word tithe again. It's a tenth. He said, I'll give that tenth to you. Genesis 26. You see, some people aren't sure about this word tithe. And by the way, let me just say a quick time out to you. Um, whenever, whenever I was growing up and I would hear a pastor begin to talk about money, there was something inside of me that would start to shut down. I did not really want to listen as much. I thought, oh, man, like I wish you were talking about like, you know, getting up when you've fallen. You know, I wish you'd talk about hope against all odds. You know, inspire me, pastor. Tell me something I've never heard. Give me something I've never seen. Entertain me. And yet, I want to encourage you, you know, it's, Sometimes preaching on tithing can be a little bit like giving your kids a pep talk about cleaning their room. It can be a little tough to break through sometimes. And, and I want to encourage you, open your heart. Open your mind. And I, I know for years, whenever that would happen to me and I would close my heart, it was because I was afraid. And I'll be honest. I was afraid that God would say to me, do that. And that I would not, that I would either feel bad because I didn't, I knew in my heart, I'm not going to do it. I don't care what you say, God, I'm just not going to do it. Or that I would be too afraid when my paycheck came and I looked at my expenses for that week and thought, sorry, I don't have the faith to do it, God. And so what I had to do was I had to get over my fear. For a long time, I had a dysfunctional relationship with money. I did. How's your relationship with money? Everybody has a relationship with money. Some people embrace it, they manage it, and they do well. Other people are afraid of it, they don't like to deal with it, and they don't do so well. Are you good with money? Some people are, some people aren't. But I had a dysfunctional relationship with money for a long time. And you know, God had to bring me through some lessons in my life to teach me. The one foundational thing that's been the same, however good or bad I've been at managing cash flow or things like that, the one foundational principle that I keep coming back to in my life is this principle of, of, of what I ta was taught when I was gr growing up, and that's my mom and dad teaching me, Brad, the first 10% goes to God. I, you know, it's like no matter where I go in the world, no matter where I I pastor, no matter where I serve God, I can't get away from this principle because it's so powerful. And God brings me back to it over and over. This is what God says about Abraham. Some people believe that Abraham was, you know, he already knew that God expected him to tithe. As a matter of fact, pastor brought out also about Cain and Abel, their sacrifices, that the reason God accepted Abel's but rejected Cain's was because Cain's was not a full tithe. He, Cain gave from his leftovers. Abel gave his full 10%. Now, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you will not read this statement, okay? Now, listen very clearly to what I'm about to say. You will not read in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt tithe. Right? That's not one of the Ten Commandments. Okay? 
If you go into the New Testament, you will not read the word rapture. The calling up of Christians. The word rapture is not in the New Testament. But the truth about the rapture is in the New Testament. Does that make sense? So it's clear God is saying, there is this thing called the tithe, and I want you to do this. I want you to put me first. This is what Genesis 26 says. He's talking about Abraham. He says, I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. That's how we see Israel today. It's a nation. And there are Jews all over the world. I will give to your descendants all these lands. That's a promise still to be kept. Are you with me? There's a big fight in the Middle East about this promise. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And my question is, what statutes, what commandments, and what laws are you talking about, God? Because the first law I ever remember was when Moses came on the scene. Right? Abraham was, where's that in the Bible, Lord? Well, it's not exactly like that. The Bible teaches That there was an understanding with these earliest men of faith that tithing was expected by God. And then you see him do it. Abraham says, he gave Melchizedek a tenth. Jacob says, I'll give you a tenth. As a matter of fact, the ancient peoples of the time that we have record of universally practiced this thing called the tithe. The Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Persians, all these people. Where did they get an idea like this? Where did they get the idea? They got the idea because they saw God's people doing it. And they realized this was a physical material offering to their God, to their Lord. And so they did it. Now, sometimes people will give to the Lord and they will designate and say, uh, I would like this much to go to the general fund. And I would like this much to go to missions. And then I would like this much to go to the youth group. And then I would like this much to go to um, getting new lights. And I just want to encourage you. And what, what happens is we take that 10% and we break down that 10%. And we go, I would like 3% to go to the general budget, 4% to go to missions, and then the other percentages, I just want those to go. And what I would like to say is time out. That's not your decision. Giving to the Lord is not like giving to charity. Okay, we're not the United Way. We're not UNICEF. And when God says to tithe, he just says, give 10%. Just do it. Whatever else you give is above and beyond that tithe to the Lord. No matter how many charitable organizations I give to and my family gives to, no matter how much time I donate to the Paris Foundation, that doesn't make up for not giving my tithe. God didn't say, tithe your money or your time, you get to choose. God said, tithe your money, and by the way, serve me, for I am the Lord. That's what the Lord says. And if if a pastor is worth his salt at all, he will tell you that. It's It's not easy to hear. It's not easy for me to say. But that's the truth. 
It's a principle. The second foundation from the Bible is this. The Old Testament law magnifies and continues the practice of tithing. When we come to the laws God gave to Moses, remember those laws? There were quite a few of them. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt make not for yourself a graven image. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not lie. Those are the big ten. You remember those? The top ten. And then they they go on. God gave Moses laws. The tithe is introduced in the law of Moses. It's there. The people of Israel were tithing 10% already. This is what Leviticus says. Remember, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's Moses wrote those. Moses in Leviticus says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Because, you know, the, the tree people were kind of like, well, well, I'm not a farmer. You know, I, I, I just grow trees, Lord, so do I have to tithe? Yeah. And then the farmers were like, well, you know, I don't have any apple trees. I mean, I'm not Johnny Appleseed. You know, I just do, I just grow cabbage, you know. Do, do I have to tithe? Yeah. Yeah, it goes for everybody. He says, all the tithe of the land is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. I said last week, some things only belong to God. Some things only belong to God. The law spelled out that every Israelite was to give 10% of all their produce, both of grain and fruit, back to the Lord. Why? Why? Because it belongs to God. It belongs to God. It's kind of like um, I, we took our kids to Disney World one time. Uh, and we went to Disney World and... and um, on, on one of these trips, you know, I love trips like Disney World and Six Flags and amusement parks. I took my kids to a, a, a Six Flags, and, and we're, we're sitting there, and, and they wanted to get some ice cream, and they were little at the time. I said, okay, let's, let's get some ice cream. And uh, so I got uh, one of my, my kids an ice cream, and, and he's sitting there, and, and I was like, hey, man, can, can I have a little bit? He's like, no. And he probably was about six at the time, six or seven. I was like, no, seriously, can I have, just let me have a little bit. No, you can't have any. I'm like, dude, I made this trip possible. Like, you're not going to give me just like a little bit of your ice cream for real? Selfish. Sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes I feel like that's how we are to the Lord. You know, the Lord says to us, what? You're not going to give me just a small part that I command of you? Don't you get it? I made your whole world possible. Don't be so selfish. And that's what happens. It's no different today. Because a lot of people say, look, Brad, I earned this, man. And I agree with you. You work hard. We all work hard. You work too hard to take it for granted. You work too hard to have people steal it. You work too hard to be stupid with it. Amen? Amen. Some people say, but I earned this. But, but God gives you the ability to earn it. This is exactly the attitude that Moses warned the people of Israel about. Here's what he says in Deuteronomy 8. He tells them, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full... And have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, 
and your bank account is growing and your 401k is maturing and your retirement savings is growing and you're starting to feel like it's all coming together for you and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the wilderness, out of having nothing, out of poverty, out of being a slave, that then you say in your heart, my power and might, might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. It's not asking much. We're just asking you to honor God as God in this area of our life. As a matter of fact, there's some pretty strong evidence in the Old Testament that 10% was just the beginning. I don't know if you realize this, but in, in Israel, there were different times of the year, there were three tithes. Three different times they gave 10%. So 10% was like the, the beginning. Oftentimes it would be up to 30%. And Jesus recognizes this in the New Testament. Jesus Christ calls for the tithe as only the beginning of giving. And for me, this is the third foundation. It's the most forceful foundation. By the way, how many of you know of this verse? Seriously, I, I have a question for you. How many know of this verse where Paul in the New Testament says... Let every man give as he purposes in his heart. How many of you know about that verse? Some of you do. Okay, some people use that verse as their excuse not to tithe. They say the tithe is the Old Testament law. I get to do what I want to because it's the New Testament. Right? Jesus died for me. My sins are forgiven. It's not law now. It's grace. And they use Paul's verse as their reason. They interpret that as their reason not to give or not to tie to the church. And I just want to encourage you that Paul never contradicts Jesus. When you read the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he's explaining about what Jesus has taught. He's never contradicting Jesus. The same God of Genesis is the same God that Paul served is Jesus Christ. So Jesus says this, Actually, he commented on the, on the Pharisees. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe. You pay tithe. They were tithers. The Pharisees and the scribes were tithers. That's one of the reasons they were looked up to in their society. They were tithers. They believed in giving from their material goods and wealth back to God. And it says, You pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done. In other words, you ought to have done justice, done mercy, and lived by faith without leaving the others, that is, tithing, undone. And, and that's what I shared with you today. I see a lot of people, they're very, you know, they're valiant for justice. They're social justice warriors, man. They can smell out racism a mile away, and they call it out. But they don't tithe. And Jesus says, well, whoopity-doo, big deal. How about doing both? Because when we do one and not the other, we're a hypocrite. That's what Jesus says. And a hypocrite is just somebody that's self-deceived. Somebody that doesn't understand when they look in the mirror. They're, they don't see objectively. They're, they're not seeing themselves as they really are. That's all a hypocrite is. It's somebody who's not seeing themselves the way God sees them. 
You know, of all the things that the Pharisees ever blamed Jesus and accused him of, you know, they accused Jesus of a lot of things. They said, you're a friend of sinners. You're a, you're a, uh, a drunkard. They said, Jesus, you're a drunkard. You're a wine-bibber. You're a friend of sinners. You know, the one thing that the, the Pharisees never accused Jesus of? Not tithing. Not one time did they ever accuse Jesus of not being a tither. Because Jesus taught it. Jesus lived it. And then he passed it on to his disciples. And he said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Render unto God that which is God's. I told you earlier that Jesus talked more about money than any other issue. More than about marriage or more than about love or anything else. The reason Jesus talked about money so often is because he knew that how you and I handle money is an indicator of our love for God. This is the verse I want to close with, uh, begin to close with this morning. Matthew 6 says, Jesus said it this way, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Where is that, by the way? Where do moths gather and where does rust grow? In closets where your old clothes are. That's, that's where a lot of these things build up. We have old stuff that we don't use, but we've acquired them, and we keep acquiring them, and we keep getting more. And pretty soon, when you're married and you have children, then you have more than you need. Then you have yard sales, so you can get rid of your junk. And Jesus says, why don't you just bypass the yard sale altogether? Why don't you just begin to store up treasures in heaven rather than treasures in your closet or treasures in your wallet? Why don't you begin to store up things for eternity? You see, life here on earth gets better when you get eternal life. When you have eternal life, earthly life gets a whole lot better. I promise you, Jesus says our life becomes better when he comes into it. It's obvious God's not in a a recession. God's not upstairs thinking, well, you know, if Brad doesn't tithe, what am I going to do? I'm going to be short. Oh, my goodness. No, he's not, he's not in a recession. God wants what your money represents, and that's you, your heart. Last verse. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> that was too enthusiastic. My goodness. Malachi chapter 3. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me in this, test me in this. This is God's Pepsi challenge. It's the only place I know of where God says, you can actually evaluate me in this area. Try me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. God says, you want to know if I exist or not? Tithe. Start tithing. Start tithing for the next three months. Don't, don't do it for like one day. That's like I went on a diet for one day and it didn't work. Start tithing. Tithe for three months. I've never known anybody 
who started tithing that regretted it later. I'm just telling you from my experience, I've never met anybody that started the practice and then later went back and said, you know, I'm really, boy, that was rough. I shouldn't have done that. God sure didn't come through. I've never met anybody like that. And there's so much evidence to the contrary that when you start tithing and obeying God, God shows up in ways that you could never have imagined. God didn't have to make this promise. He's a good God. He didn't have to, you know, say to us, test me. He could have just said, give me 10% because I said so. He's God after all. We're not. But he didn't. He says, I will let you evaluate me in this area. You know, there's only one way you're going to find out whether what I'm saying is true or not. You know this, right? You've got to try it. If you don't try it, you're never going to know whether what I'm saying to you is true or just a bunch of hook, hooky or whatever. I don't know. What would you call it? Hooey. I mean, if, if you haven't read your Bible or you, you don't know about this principle, but now you do, there's only one way you'll find, ever find out whether what I'm saying is true to you or not, and that is if you take the step and you start doing it. And as I've been speaking, I've seen some of you nod your head like, yes, in affirmation, yes, as, as if to say to me, preacher, my experience is that, that as I've tithed, God has delivered, God has provided, and God has come through. This is the Sunday of second chances. I don't know if you know that or not. We're going to have Cupcake Sunday coming up October 6th. Now, Pastor said it was Donut Sunday. It's not, okay? Uh, Donut Sunday is the the two weeks later when we have law enforcement, right? That's that's Donut Sunday. However, I know, I know. Sorry, Josh. (laughs) He's like, man, that was a bad joke. But I just want to encourage you, there's only one way you'll know, and that's to try. Today's the Sunday of second chances. You're going to get another opportunity to do this. We're not taking another offering, but I'm just saying you're going to get another chance to practice this. There's these two boys, two sons with their dad. They were golfing. I'm not a, I'm not a golfer. I, I lose my religion when I golf. I, I don't, I'll have to tell you that story sometime. But I, I'm not a golfer, so I don't, never had the patience for it, and I just don't. But this father was with his two sons, and they're arguing back and forth about which is the best, most strategic, greatest shot in golf. Which is the hardest shot in golf, Dad? And one son says, obviously, it's the drive. It's when you start out, and you have to hit it 200 yards, three, whatever. No, the brother says, it's not the drive. It's the putt. It's when you come in, and it's the, it's the finesse. You know, the hole's there, and you're 12 12 yards, and you got to get it right into the hole. And the dad says, time out, boys. Let me tell you what the best shot in golf is. They sat up and they listened. He says, I'll tell you, the, the best shot in golf is your next one. Because you're going to get another shot at this, okay? This is the Sunday of second chances. We serve a God of grace. Test him in this area. I dare you. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father.